quitethingmedia.com. The network, oh, without constraints. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Wrong Term Memory. My name is Jack. And my name is Colin. Uh, Jack, we've had we've had a bit of a, a week to ten days, haven't we? It's been it's been a laugh. It has it's been fun? Yes, most of the listeners will know why that is. Rangers won the title, and I have been I was drunk for about three or four days after it. To be perfectly honest mm-hmm. with you, so we didn't get an episode out last week. I did put a tweet out saying, in case people missed it, we're going to go down to one episode a week. We're just going to do the Monday episode from now on. We were spreading herself a little bit thin I think and it was becoming a bit of a not a chore not at all but it was just too much you know like you just started a new job my job can be up and down you just never know what's happening so we decided to focus on on the Monday show and I think going forward that's going to be the way it is basically yeah I think most people most people know that we we also pod elsewhere and we've both got other shows that we do there uh, two or three different shows that we do a week on there as well and stuff. So it was just getting a little bit too much in terms of coming up with ideas twice a week, recording twice a week, keeping the website and the socials updated and all that sort of stuff. So concentrate on the Monday, make the Monday as good as it can be, and hopefully you guys continue to enjoy it. And like Jack says, um, apologies about missing the previous show, but we we did speak to each other previous to it and said, listen, there's a chance this could happen this weekend. We better get the pod recorded. And we waited and we waited and it got to the Saturday and we texted each other and said, this isn't happening, is it? And then we texted no. each other on the Sunday, just smiley faces. So it just wasn't happening last week, unfortunately. And had it did, um, I don't think it would have been very good anyway, let's be honest. So um, yeah, I hope you enjoyed some of the kind of guest stuff we've been putting out. We've got some other uh, cracking pods now on the network, uh, quite the thing. And it's an introduction to some of their stuff, which is well worth a listen. Um, it's obviously not as good as ours, but it's, it's still well worth a listen. <laughs> yeah, that's it, mate. That's it. And speaking about spreading myself a little bit thin, I've decided to do something that might sound fucking stupid, to be perfectly honest with you. I had started What Does SMH Mean by myself? And I tried to do that for a while and couldn't. Again, just far too much. But because I had the website, I'm going to be perfectly honest with you, what does SMH mean dot com, I decided to repurpose it basically and going to use it as like a sort of film blog almost. Although I'm not putting a lot of my own opinions into it. What I've decided to do is, listen to this, I'm going to try and bring together every single one-star review on IMDb for every single number one US box office <laughs> film of the 90s, right? <laughs> okay, it's quite the undertaking. Yes, so we've we've started that. I, well, I've started that, and the website is live. Like I says, what does smhmean.com? It's kind of basic at the moment, but... I have managed to get maybe 15, 16 blog posts up. There's quite a lot of reading there. So if that's your thing, if you're into sort of films and reading people's ridiculous opinions about brilliant films, then pop on there and take a gander, basically. And that is going to be the basis for our show today is one-star reviews about films that we enjoy and also mashing up together the the idea of films about memory, so Inception, Total Recall, stuff like that. So we're mashing those two things together, basically, today, Colin. So you okay with that? That sounds like something we could get right into. That sounds exactly like a perfect way to spend our Friday afternoon as we record. So yeah, sounds good to me, man. Right, okay. So we'll start with a film that I think, I think we've maybe brought up before that you were a fan of. I think you maybe gave it 10 out of 10, looking back. Um, when we were speaking about 1991, I think, and that film is Hook. Tell me a little bit about why, well, I suppose you were six when it came out or whatever, so it was fucking excellent, but <laughs> apart from that, like, why did you enjoy Hook so much? And then, like I says, we'll, we'll get to these one-star reviews from these these people who exist out there, but I don't know, I don't know how. Oh, God knows how. Um, So... 
Hook, Hook was a 10 out of 10 for me at the time when I watched it, for sure. Um, it's probably not a 10 out of 10 if I watch it today. I, let's be honest, it's definitely not a 10 out of 10 because my opinion on what a 10 out of 10 movie now as a 36-year-old man is massively different to... <laughs> what, 20 years ago. Yeah, to what, like 8-year-old Colin fought or something. Um, but I just remember loving that film. I just thought it was amazing. Um, took you on a journey where you... You saw this Robin Hood, Robin Hood, sorry, this uh, Peter Pan, I should say, character uh, who is a grown-up man, an, an old man, a lawyer, and he's boring, he's got kids and a wife, and he's just not cool, he's not Peter Pan, he can't fly, he can't do anything, he just seems like a boring, awful old guy, and you get introduced to Neverland, slowly but surely, and you see the Lost Boys and Rufy, yo, and all these guys, and they all seem pretty cool with their their red hair and their guns and their imaginary foot fights and stuff like that. Um, but eventually, this kind of guy that you start the film really not liking because he's pretty awful to his kids, he's just a pretty shitty guy, morphs into the Peter Pan that you expect him to be and you become totally on his side, he becomes the hero and by the end of the film, you absolutely love him. It's just a, it's almost like a roller coaster of a film for a, a kid and it's just it's just wonderful, wonderful movie making. Um I loved it then. I am very appreciative of it now. I think it's just a cracking kids' film, and it's it's not a kids' film that I think I think it treats the kids in a good way in terms of it's not a stupid kids' film. It's quite honest. It, it deals with adult issues at the start, and it shows you like what would happen to Peter Pan in the real world and stuff like that, and tries to put it across in quite a clever way for a kids' film. And I, I just thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it, Jack. Um, I think a lot of people do remember it really, really fondly. It didn't do amazing stuff at the box office, though. Um, when it was released, a lot of critics said it was too long. And they even said it was lacking in imagination. Um, but bear in mind that it was Steven Spielberg and it was Robin Williams. I think it was only the fifth or the sixth highest grossing movie of 1991. And if you look at all the Spielberg films, it only ranks 15th out of 30 in terms of popularity. Um, but it was introduced to the home video and later years a DVD coming out where more young people continued to see it, fall in love with it, and it sort of became the kind of cult favourite it is just now. So as much as I love it, think looking back, it wasn't universally adored or really, really appreciated 100% at the start, as probably as well as it is now. Yeah, it's here. I'm not a film critic, obviously, which is another reason why I probably shouldn't be starting a fucking film blog. But... <laughs> Like, I think that's an unfair criticism to say that it's not inventive or whatever because it, it is a new twist on the Peter Pan story because I think most of... Well, I don't want to speak for everybody, but my first introduction would have been Peter Pan the cartoon. You know, there's yeah. where... The, the Disney one. Just Peter, he's just Peter Pan, yeah. Whereas, like, to, to, t- to think about Peter Pan growing up, being an adult, having kids, getting boring... I think that's quite. I think that's quite an inventive thing to do, and then to get him back to his his youth in inverted commas. Yeah, man, I, I think that's a a pretty shady criticism from whoever was saying that. I really enjoyed it as well when I was younger. Uh, Dustin Hoffman's a good baddie. Shmee's a like Shmee. He's a bit wacky. The the crocodile or the alligator. I think it was a crocodile with a with a the clock, like. Kind of remember seeing that, uh, like as live action, and thinking, "Wow, that's like one of the greatest things that I've ever seen on <laughs> telly." Yeah. But again, I was eight, I was six or seven years old. But yeah, I think that's an unfair criticism to say it's uninventive. It's a new twist on an old story, and I thought it was. I would have probably gave it about eight or nine as a youngster, and it's. Do you know what? If it came on tomorrow, I would. I wouldn't turn it off. Basically. Yeah, it was it was almost very very different. Um, really, if I, I know we don't want to spend too long on each of these films, but this is quite a good story. Um, it's, basically, the film was in the works um, by the the production company, and Steven Spielberg found out about it and decided they wanted to get involved. And they basically paid off the original director five hundred thousand dollars to basically just walk away from the project and let Steven Spielberg do it. <laughs> yeah. um, so it happens quite a lot, apparently. Um, usually, what happens with that, they they get the payoff. And then they get a credit basically based on the story by, because they're the ones that have sort of started the work the process on this on the film. But Mike, uh, Steven Spielberg is really good friends with Michael Jackson, and 
it comes out that Steven Spielberg is making a Peter Pan film. Michael Jackson phones up Steven Spielberg and says, when did I start filming? <laughs> um, Steven Spielberg, what do you mean? He's like, well, you know, I've always wanted to play Peter Pan. And apparently Steven Spielberg like almost lost his relationship with Michael Jackson. He had to like sit him down and say, listen, this is a film about a lawyer who used to be Peter Pan and he's an old man and this isn't the Peter Pan you want to be. And apparently Michael Jackson was like, I just want to be Peter Pan. <laughs> and he had to proper like talk him out of it and convince him that this wasn't the Peter Pan role for him to do. Um, and apparently they stayed friends. However, there was an, an article in Vanity Fair uh, back in 2003 that said Michael Jackson paid a witch doctor to put a curse on Steven Spielberg so that he would change his mind and make him Peter Pan. Of course he did, man. Yeah. Like, is that why there's this South Park episode where I know you're not really into it, but there's a with with Michael Jackson and he's ripping about pretending to be fucking Peter Pan. Like, uh, yeah, that... it probably does come from that. I mean, the whole Peter Pan thing is quite a famous thing. He talked about it on either the Oprah Winfrey interview or the Martin Bashir interview. One of the two, he always talked about how he sees himself as a bit of a Peter Pan and the boy who never grew up. And I think that a lot of Netherland and a lot of his house is built around the story of Peter Pan. I'm sure he's got like Peter Pan statues and shit. Well, he doesn't because he's dead, but he did have Peter Pan statues and stuff all around Netherland and things like that. Yeah, well, I suppose that's a, just a play on the words from Never Neverland to Neverland. Eh? So, yeah, yes, yeah, that's it. No. Yeah, to- to- totally. Yeah. Yeah, so it definitely makes sense. But not everybody enjoyed this. So <laughs> um, I'm going to read uh, this is from a guy called Derek Curry back in 2011. I'm just going to read it verbatim. It physically nauseates me to watch this grotesque horror of cinematography. What puts the bowel movement icing on the cake is that it was nominated for several awards. Was it? Like I, I, The way you were speaking about it there, it didn't sound like it was. But And actually one, two of them. Right, so this guy seems to know what he's talking about, kind of. Yeah. More than any other film in existence, this film proves the inherent disease of bad taste running rampant in what we call Hollywood. There has been no more unpardonability, what's that? Bad film ever made. J.M. Barry, author um, of the eternally classic Peter Pan, will be spinning in his grave until this catastrophe of bad ideas is wiped from human memory. This guy is seriously mental. Uh, I'd give Hook a negative star rating if I could because of this um, fetid celluloid abomination to be sucked into a black hole and deleted from time. Um, watching Plan 9 from outer space would be a relief. You get the idea, smiley face. And 18 out of 50 people found that review to be helpful from Derek Curry, who sounds like a proper laugh a minute. He really or does. A prick. Yeah, he really does. Um, the film was nominated for five uh, Academy Awards, um, but it wasn't like the proper ones. It was Best right. Production Design, uh, Best Costume, Best Visual Effects, Best Makeup, and Best Original Song. It lost all of them, didn't win any Oscars. Uh, funnily enough, you'll be interested in this. It lost Visual Effects and Makeup to Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Of course it did. <laughs> like, that's fair enough. Like, I can get behind that, 100%. Yeah. That, that review... Um, it's, that review is actually quite painful to read um, because there's loads of examples in that review of a guy that's not very clever trying to be clever um, and trying like, to be smart. Trying to read some of his words. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, it's just like, there's no way, right, that Derek Curry, right, who, whoever he is and wherever he is, he doesn't describe things like, he doesn't, if, he's, if something makes him sick, he'll say to somebody, oh, that just makes me sick. He would never say, it physically nauseates me. To watch this grotesque yeah. horror of cinematography, you would just say oh, that's how that, that film that film makes me sick. Um, it's because he's writing a review and he's trying to be clever and he's trying to. Oh, it's just awful. I, I can just picture Derek Curry just being a right little fucking swat, a wee dick of a guy. I hate him. Yeah, yeah. So that's from 2011. Hook is on the website. So if you want to read, I think there's about five or six one star reviews from the last decade about Hook, so if you want to read any more of them, like I say, is what does SMH mean dot com. Moving on to something completely different, Colin, then. Um, you want to take this one to start, then? Uh, yeah, so this next film is Inception. 
um, a film which is there's a good film in there somewhere, Jack. I, I don't know if you agree or not, um, but like most Christopher Nolan stuff, it just becomes more complicated than it needs to be. It's almost like he built he he kind of paints himself into this scenario in every film where he has to make it a head fuck. He has to make you have to watch it two or three times to fully appreciate it and. I think a film needs to be outstanding for me to want to invest my time in it twice or three times and stuff like that. I don't want to invest my time two or three times just to understand something to then decide if it's good or not. Yeah. Um, but there's some good stuff in there, some good performances. It's got another DiCaprio in it, Jack, who I'll basically watch in anything he ever does because he's just one of the best actors ever. He's, he's Leo. Um, but what did you think of Inception? I enjoyed Inception, actually, which is kind of out of character because... You know my opinions on Christopher Nolan yeah. and his filmmaking techniques. I think he gets an a single idea and then works backwards from it. This one was about planting the, the basis of the film is planting ideas into people's dreams to make yeah. them make decisions. So he's had that one idea and then works backwards from it. Same as his newest one, which I, I didn't watch all the way through, Tenant. The single idea is fighting, but backwards and forwards at the same time. That, uh, that, yeah. That's that one idea, and then it just go, grows from there. So the thing is, right, that though these one ideas aren't bad ideas. Like, the idea of injecting think brain uh, dreams into people to make them do stuff, that's quite an interesting concept, but it just layers it and layers it and layers it too much for me. Yeah, the, I've said this about Tenant. It's the, it's the inconsequential characters that turn up the only reason that they're in the film is to explain to you what's happening in the film. Yeah, like Basil okay. Expedition. Like, I don't know, what, 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 what does that mean, sorry? Have you seen the Austin Powers movies? I don't like Austin Powers, so, uh, like, yeah, so I'm the, not a massive fan. Right? The, the, guy that, the guy who, like, Austin Powers' boss, basically, is called Basil Exposition because he just turns up to basically move the story along and tell him what's been happening. Yeah, well, that's what, that's what Christopher Nolan does. He must have fucking got that from there. These guys just come up to tell you, yes, once you go into a dream, inside a dream, that lasts longer. So three hours is now one hour or whatever it is. But I did quite enjoy Inception, to be fair. I thought it was good. Maybe because of the the visual effects and like the folding dreamscapes and stuff like that were something I hadn't seen before. So maybe it was more to do with that than the actual story. Yeah, so Nolan annoys me in that sense that he needs to bring these guys in to tell you what's happening. I think a story, if it's good enough, if the film is good enough, you don't need to be told what's going on. No, you shouldn't. You certainly shouldn't need to. And it annoyed this this reviewer, EBM one two three. Um, cracking, yeah, this was only about a month or two ago. So you can yeah, this year, twenty fifth of January. So it's taken a while to watch it. Um, pseudo intelligent, boring movie with non attractive actors except for the talented Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who was put in this trash by mistake as he deserves better roles. This was a real torture to watch until the end, and three out of 12 people found this helpful. Leonard DiCaprio's in this film, and I think Cillian Murphy from Peaky Blinders is in this film as well. Yeah. But it's it's a movie with non-attractive actors. Wow. EBM123 must be basically Brad Pitt. It's a strange way to judge a film how attractive the people are like. Don't get me wrong, 95% of actors are gorgeous and beautiful. Like that's just that's just the way it is. But the thing is, I would never give Inception one star, but I kind of agree with the pseudo intellectual comment at the beginning, like he's trying to do too much, I think, Christopher Nolan. So I can get behind that. I did enjoy Inception. If I was to give it a score, I'd probably give it about a six. Like, watched it. I think I've seen it twice. I actually watched that again. So that says something. At least I watched that again. It's not like one of those films that you just throw in the bin and never watch again. So you can kind of get behind this guy's first point, but the the rest of it is, just seems pretty shallow. His first point is a good one. The it's very and I, this is one time where I will sort of kind of. Not side of Christopher Nolan, but understand the difficulty in what he's trying to do, because if you want to make a film sort of pseudo-intelligent and have all these layers to it, but also make it a mainstream film that's cost a fortune to make, that you're looking to make back in the box office, 
it needs to appeal to the general idiots in the population. <laughs> and there's a direct breakdown between pseudo-intelligence, intelligence, pseudo-intelligence, I should say, and appealing to these people. And it makes it really, really difficult. And I just think he misses the, misses the mark quite often with these attempts at doing this. Yeah. But like uh, like you said, we didn't want to get too deep into these films, but uh, we'll, we'll move on to Total Recall, uh, the 1990 version with Arnold Schwarzenegger, a film with a guy that I loved as a as a youngster in it. What are your thoughts on Total Recall, mate? Um, it's got a girl with three boobs. Yeah, it does, yeah. Um, and that's, that's my main memory of the film because I think I watched Total Recall quite young and that's my takeaway from it, the girl with the three boobs. And I've never watched it again. I didn't watch the remake recently either. It's probably a film I should go back and watch and actually have a proper opinion on because it is quite quite highly regarded. People do like Total Recall. They do rate it quite highly. Obviously, you're about to read a review for somebody who doesn't, but I think a lot of people do. But I've not seen it recently enough to offer much more about it other than there's a girl in it with three boobs. Yeah, there's... um. It's been a while since I watched it myself, but I did enjoy it as a as a youngster. Not much to it. Arnie's an action hero. He runs about and just smashes people about. There's two reviews. This is the only one I've got two reviews for because the first one's very short, so I'll take the first one uh, because my reading isn't great at the moment. <clears throat> um, stop putting stupid, pointless female nudity into everything. Do you know what? Okay, like absolutely pointless nudity as like okay, don't do that. Fair enough. But this wee this wee uh, dwarf lady had three tits. Come on, <laughs> that's not <laughs> like, that's not just pointless. No, that's to show that she's an alien. Yeah, it's three points. Um, <laughs> the, there is a thing there. Like there is a serious point there though about pointless female nudity in films because like you do see far more naked girls in films you do guys and it does seem to be acceptable to ask a female actress no matter who they are or how big they are like to get their boobs out in a film and they, they i don't know if they feel pressured or there's more money or that even stunt doubles go in and do it i don't think a stunt double helps much because the person watching it doesn't think oh that's a stunt double they just think oh look that's that's her boobs um you don't get brad pitt asked get asked to get his cock out or George Clooney getting asked to do that. Um, there is definitely a, a difference between the two, and I'm not sure why. The salesman, like, and it's like, if I, without getting too deep into it, cuts like fucking Harvey Weinstein, I'm talking about, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's true. There, were, there, was a, there was a website, there was a website a couple of years ago, uh, which was created by some fucking dweeb that lives in his basement somewhere in America. In his mum and dad's basement, and he had a database of movies, and you could type in like you could type in Gwyneth Paltrow. And yeah, I remember would, that. I know this. Bring yeah. up a list of all our films <clears throat> and an exact timestamp for the film in which she got naked in them. Um, well, you just type in any actress you wanted. Fucking freak. That was my first idea, but I decided <laughs> against it. <laughs> but you, you read this this next one. Um, this will make you feel bad. Is the title of it by Texas? From the 4th of March 2019. Yeah, Texas for two X's. Let's give me his full description. Tex. Yeah, Texas, double X. Um, so I thought this would be a cool science fiction film from the 90s. It turned out to be a creepy, disturbing, and vile. <laughs> Arnold's character does not come across as a nice guy. I hated all the characters. The ones that weren't bad were just creepy. There's this one creepy scene where a man has a little mini me grown in his chest, like a, like a beast baby. Um, this beast baby is shot in the head. It's almost like watching a real baby be splattered to death. It's really horrible. I had nightmares after watching this, and I felt bad after it. <laughs> oh, I don't know why that tickles me so much. Like just, just that that admission at the end, it gave me nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> and I felt bad. You should not shoot babies. Do not shoot babies, please. Um, yeah. yeah, like. This is going to be a common thing with these reviews, isn't it? But I just do not know what what makes these people do these reviews. Like, I reckon if you're quite a good writer and you've got quite a good opinion on films, and I, I get why you would write reviews, if you're just Texas 
Um, I don't know why you would go to the habit of writing this out. I don't know what he's going to think. Who's going to read that review and think, oh, I'm not going to watch that film now because Texas doesn't like it. I just don't think Texas' opinion will be valid. Oh, sorry to interrupt, but only two out of 14 people found it helpful, so a lot of people just ignored that or downvoted it and went, no, that's absolute garbage, Texas. Mrs. Doubtfire is up next, mate. Um, This is one that is on the site again. So we're only going to do one review of this, but there's a there is a bunch of them. I enjoyed Mrs. Doubtfire. I enjoy a lot of Robin Williams films. Patch Adams is in my top ten films, and people always think I'm fucking mental for it. But <laughs> it's so feel good, man. Like I don't see how you can't not love it. But uh, Mrs. Doubtfire, mate. Like, what's your thoughts, basically, quickly? Um, I loved Mrs. Doubtfire, thought it was a great film um, Looking back at the story It is, it is slightly problematic um, What he does Isn't really the done thing I don't think he, I don't think dressed up as a woman And getting a job in the house With the kids that you're not allowed to see any longer Is strictly legal or something you should be doing um, But it's funny It's Robin Williams um, I can't imagine anybody else doing that role um, It's a great film uh, The makeup job to do on him to make him look the way they do is amazing. Um, it won the Oscar for best makeup, and it was the same guy that won the Oscar previously for Edward Scissorhands. Um, so it was proper right. serious like makeup arts. Again, I think he sat in the chair for four and a half hours a day to to get that done. Um, it's also got one of my favourite jokes in it as well, um, where she's talking or he's talking or pronouns pal they're talking, and she talks about the her husband and the drink killed him. And <laughs> the person speaking just says, Oh, was he an alcoholic? It's that like, no, he get ran over by a Budweiser truck. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I remember, like, whatever age I was when I first watched this, I genuinely thought that was the, the peak of all jokes. I was never going to hear anything funnier than that in my life. Um, yeah. But no, nah, it's, a, it's a cracking film. It's a, it's a nice story of its time. And um, I quite like the fact, Jack, that it's not got a happy ending. Um, it would have been very easy for that film to do everything it did to kind of at the end just have them get back together and then move back in with the family and that doesn't happen and I think the film's all the better for it Yeah, I suppose like because of the absolute unrealism of the dressing up as a as, as an old lady to be your, to be a nanny to your, your kids they maybe thought to themselves right, we need to have some sort of like to level it back down a little bit like there's no, there's not that happening. Like, it's not like a pure heavy sad ending, but like he gets on with it. He gets his job that he wants, and he gets to see his kids on the weekends or whatever. And that's the way that families are. Like that's just like what happens a lot of the time with with kids. So, yeah, like I, I enjoyed it. I really did. But um, David YZ <clears throat> did not. He found it ridiculous and unfunny. This sent. Hello friends, Colin here, the looks, the charm and the brains behind Drunk Term Memory. Just wanted to pop in and interrupt your listening pleasure to let you know about our Patreon and some changes that we've made to it recently. We've now introduced a £1 tier where you get absolutely hee-haw other than the sense of achievement that could only come from supporting two great guys like myself and Jack. We've also reduced the price of the two top tiers uh, by a pound on each of them just because we appreciate Life is a little bit shit just now, and uh, if we can make things a little bit better for people, then we will. So check us out at patreon.com forward slash wrong term memory, and you'll be able to get early access to shows, ad-free, and lots of bonus content. The mental nonsense isn't realistic. Of course it's fucking not, right? (laughs) Its attempts at humour are pathetically lame. Uh, the plot is preposterous. A divorced father, that, that's just him explaining, a divorced father pretends to be a woman in order to be employed as a housekeeper in the house uh, of his ex-wife and their children, uh, as if none of them would notice that it isn't him. Right. It's not a review. <laughs> yeah, like it's, a, it's like plot points. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this guy's a dick, man. But to me, four people actually found this helpful, supposedly, out of 14, which is quite a high percentage considering um, some of the other ones. But uh, Yeah, but it doesn't it doesn't mean they're agreeing with them, though, to be fair. It just means that four out of 14 people thought, OK, I'm going to watch this after listening to that. So 
I don't know if we can hold that into too much high regard that 4 out of 14 found it helpful because there's nothing there that would make you turn off or turn on to that film because it's just a guy basically reading the subplot out to you, isn't it? Yeah. Um, if, you're again, in, if you're into the video on, shop, that's the first paragraph in the back of the video, isn't it? That is the blurb, yeah, for sure. Again, on the on the site, there are, there are much more in-depth one-star reviews and people absolutely going off on that. Another film about memory, probably the the one that jumps to mind most for me about memory or poor memory is Memento uh, with Guy Pierce. Pierce. Yes. Again, mate, I'm just going to come to you for this. But have you seen this and what did you think about it? You know what? I've never seen it, Jack. Um, right, okay. It's on my list of films that, I, and this isn't just that imaginary list. This is a film of, <clears throat> list of films I do want to see because it is so highly regarded and it's in the IMDb Top 100 pretty much constantly it doesn't fall out of there um, I know it is good but I've just never got around to watching it no that's fair enough mate like I've not I've not seen it in a while but it was so new so different like at the time hadn't seen anything like it before it was like I say it's just really really different really new and there's like a it's like a murder mystery and like it's Drilling down onto this, the, the point about retrograde amnesia, I think it's called, where you can't create new memories, basically. And there have actually been doctors and scientists come out and said, look, this is actually one of the more realistic interpretations of what retrograde amnesia is and how people will feel when they wake up in the morning and they remember like how to drive a car, like what money is, all those massive things, but they just can't create new memories. So, yeah, I really enjoyed, really enjoyed, when I say really enjoyed it, I'm not going to go out my way to watch it again, mate, so I don't know if that's going to put a bit of a downer in your thoughts, but I would recommend if it ever pops up, it's on, just click record and, and watch it, mate. Yeah, it's, um, for me, about a 7 or an 8 out of 10. That's high. Like, if you tell me a film's a 7 or an 8 out of 10, I'll watch it. Um, yeah. that, that's I think that's that's high praise. A seven or an eight out of ten, I'd, I'd give that an hour and a half towards my time for sure. Yeah, uh, Miley Reclaw, um, just last year in August. What is wrong with filmmakers these days? Why does a movie have to be told in reverse chronologically? It's confusing and it's boring. There's nothing good about this movie. <laughs> it sounds like the Family Guy theme tune, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Violence and movies and sex on TV. <laughs> yeah. Why does the movie have to be in the verse? Oh, because that's the fucking concept of the film, you dick. <laughs> it's Christopher Nolan, isn't it? Is it? <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure Memento is like one of his early ones. Yeah, let me just double check. Yeah, you um, double check that, mate. Because... If it is, if it is him. Then we know why it's in reverse because he has to do something. <laughs> because it, it came up, uh, he read retrograde amnesia one day and thought, "Right, I'm going to get a full film out of that." Yeah, directed and screenplay by Christopher Nolan. Right. Okay. So he started off well. Yeah. Done the Batman's and shit like that, and then just fucking went um, a little bit batty for me, just trying to outdo himself for the wackiness. Next film, mate. I'll let you take this one because it. I think it's one of your favourite films, or it's, a film you really enjoy anyway. Yeah, it's not my favourites, but it's it's really, really good. It's uh, Shutter Island, um, so obviously stars Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, maybe another Christopher Nolan film, actually, I think it might be. Um, <laughs> basically, I went to see this film in the cinema, and I'd seen the trailers. Like I said earlier, if it's Leonardo DiCaprio in it, I'm going to go, I'm going to watch it, because... I know he doesn't do bad films. He just doesn't do shit films. I think in the last 15 years or so, he's done one bad film, which was that Walking in the Snow one. Um, other than that, he he just doesn't. So he's worth watching anything he does. Um, but the trailer for this made it look a bit like a horror film. It made it look a different type of film to what it was. It ended up being more of a psychological thriller. And it had a flashback. Not a flashback, sorry. What's the word? It had a... A twist, yeah, that's the word I couldn't find. It has a twist that I genuinely did not see coming, and it was one of those open mouth in the cinema ones where I was like, "Oh my god!" Um, and it's very rare that films do that. Um, you t- and that's not me trying to be 
overly clever or see I'm too smart for films or anything. I think most twists are telegraphed and you kind of see them coming. It's very rare that they completely catch you off guard. But this one did. Um, it completely caught me. And I just remember coming out of the cinema that day thinking that was cracking. It was really, really good. And a lot of people don't like it. It has a lot of bad reviews and a lot of people you speak to don't rate it at all. So maybe it's just me and it appealed to me for whatever reasons, but I loved it. I thought it was great. And again, DiCaprio in particular was fantastic in it. Yeah, quite enjoyed it. I'll admit I was a little bit confused come the end. Like, what? Like, yeah, just a little bit confused. I didn't get it, but like, it's one of those ones where it gets that twist and then you're trying to think back to parts of the film. And then even when I watched it again, I was still a little bit sort of weary about the, the flashbacks and stuff like that. And maybe that's what this review is getting at. Again, I would never give it a one star. Uh, sort of middle of the road, but um, Dorisa, nineteen eighty nine, back in uh, two thousand nineteen, left this review. It's bullet pointed, um, completely pointless waste of time. Bullet point one: hated the ominous music. Right? Do you think? <clears throat> right? Is that a is that a valid point for films? Like, obviously, soundtracks are very important. Do you think you can totally dislike a film just because you don't like the fucking music? No, I don't think you can. I don't think you can because the music's usually the background. It's never the most prominent thing. It's the backing to what's going on on the screen, isn't it? So I don't think it's enough to make you hate a film. Um, I will say, though, that a good soundtrack can completely change your opinion on a film or make you love it even more. Drive being probably a good example of that for me. And I think Drive's a great, great film. But when you combine it with the soundtrack, it's fucking majestic it's amazing um i kind of think sorry to interrupt i kind of think that part of drive the publicity surrounding it was kind of did kind of push the soundtrack do you know i mean like as if they were they made a very big deal about the soundtrack in that film i heard more about the soundtrack than the film at that point do you think that came do you think that was planned or do you think they realized after it was all cut and edited and stuff just how well they'd got the theme of this film and they'd got it really looking great and the music just fit it perfectly and stuff and they decided to then do that or do you think the music was always going to be one of the main stars of that film? Yeah, I'm pretty dubious about the whole um, film industry and stuff like that. I would imagine that they very much knew the type of vibe they were going for with the music and they knew that it was very, that sort of, what would you call it, electro... No electro funk. I don't know. It was kind of synthy. It was electric. Synthy, yeah, synthy. Like one of one of our pals, Simon, is like that's all that he he enjoys, and I kind of get it. I can listen to one or two songs, but it starts to grate me a little bit. Like I've heard that before. It doesn't really go anywhere. But yeah, no, I kind of think that they would have known and pushed that synth vibe, that eighties vibe, that very much cool. Like see, quite the thing. Media see our logo for that our logo is exactly the soundtrack to drive they are <laughs> and I think. and why is that because you got me to organize it getting made <laughs> yeah, and, I got, I got, and, and i love that whole i just love that whole design i love that whole graphic spec i love the way the kind of neon 80s pop art look of stuff i, I, I just love it um it's, it's like that there's an episode of black mirror um, which is set back then as well, which I just love all the scenery and the, the graphics from as well. It's just, I, I don't know why I love it so much, I just do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This guy also hated the war flashbacks that didn't do anything at all for the story. Hated the big twist that wasn't. Come on. We all knew where this was heading. No, you didn't. <laughs> I can't believe people like this crap. One out of 14 people found this helpful. <sighs> Dorissa. Right, Dorissa in 1989, right? Um, I just, so they wrote this in, they were born in 1983, they wrote this in 2019, so they were 30 when they wrote this, this isn't a young idiot. I just don't get this review at all. Like, I can get why people don't like the film, but saying they hated the music, saying the war flashbacks didn't do anything, and you knew that what the twist was going to be, bullshit. I'm just not, I'm not on board with that at all. Like, we're not covering Goodfellas today at all, but one of the one-star reviews, I'm going to give you a little snippet of it here. The guy, like I says, the music was too good. 
and give it one star. <laughs> like, fuck, fuck. Anyway, um, but like I say, we'll, we'll, we'll maybe get to that in, in coming weeks or months or whatever. But another film that you picked, mate, um, I gave you the option as if like, I'm your master, but you know what I mean? I said, pick a couple of films. And you picked Titanic here yes. in 1998. The, is it still the biggest film ever or is that yeah, no, an old James Cameron I, film I, I think it's that they blew people in it um, is it yeah because it was fucking 3D and every cunt went after them up for it and it yeah, yeah totally um, <clears throat> Titanic like this is a proper guilty pleasure I mean Jack right like I don't know how many times I've seen Titanic but it's a lot um, I proper love it Um I think it's great I used to have my my first ever iPod um, was called the Titanic um, because when I connected it to my computer and synced to music, it said Titanic is sinking. Um, I just <laughs> like, <laughs> right. uh. I just loved it. I just loved it. I remember watching the film, and I went into this film genuinely not knowing that much about the whole Titanic story and stuff, and just finding it super interesting. Um, I remember kind of researching it, reading about the Titanic online, and watching documentaries about it and stuff like that. And it's just a proper fascinating thing. Um, film costs more to make than they did to build the ship. Did you know that? It doesn't really surprise me. No, even with inflation, though. Like so. All right. Okay. Um, yeah. it cost two hundred million to make the film. Um, in nineteen ninety seven, and it cost the ship uh, to to build the ship was seven and a half million, which after inflation would be one hundred and eighty million. So, it it amazes me as well that you can make it. The film costs more than the actual ship. Um, it's a funny one to look at in terms of actors as well. Obviously, it's it's Kate Winslet and it's Leonardo DiCaprio again. However. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio's role could have been Brad Pitt it could have been Tom Cruise and it could have been Matthew McConaughey um, Matthew McConaughey got as far as auditioning for it and Kate Winslet's role it was also, was always, almost Nicole Kidman uh, Jodie Foster Cameron Diaz Sharon Stone and Gwyneth Paltrow so I always love looking at who could have been who in films and stuff and just try to imagine what that film would have been like with those people in it because I think it completely changes it doesn't it yeah it's very interesting and I can see why Kate Winslet got it because of her figure, basically, like that sort of what would you call it, rose glass, like um, that, that that shape that she had. Is yeah, that, that, that's not the right term, is it? Rose glass. I know the one you. Anyway, mean. I, I get I get what you're saying. Yeah, the like buxom, and yeah. that skinny waist, kind of pear shaped. Yeah, so the, the casting director has obviously went look. Nobody fucking looked like Nicole Kidman back then or Sharon Stone. Nobody was that skinny. Like no like nobody had that that gaunt look almost. So the casting director got that right and Kate Winslet was um yeah, was good for it. Again, Titanic is a film that I've not watched in a long time, but yeah, quite enjoyed it. Yeah, it was it was all right. It's, it's brilliant, Jack. It's not all right. Okay. <laughs> um, I've, I've got a film sale from it. I've got this limited edition film sale from one of the original reels. Um I've got it in a frame in my downstairs bathroom. How much was that, man? Oh, I don't know. It was a gift. Somebody bought me it for a, as a gift years and years ago, and it's moved a couple. It's moved a couple of houses with me. It's always went up in the bathroom because I, I just like it being close to the water, so it right. goes in there. <laughs> and I also kind of like to kind of hide my 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 love of Titanic a little bit. I don't want it on proper display. It just goes in the, in the toilet. Like, I'd imagine that'd be quite expensive, man. Because um, our boss in, on Heartland, Davy. Uh, done me a favour a while ago, and I was I wanted to buy him a, a Simpsons cell as a as a thank you, and they were like fucking like five hundred quid was the cheapest one, so I ended up buying him a Mister Burns fucking what's the wee guys that you collect? Oh, Funko Pop. Yeah, I ended up buying him a Mister Burns Funko Pop instead for about twenty quid, <laughs> like as a thank you because yeah they were just mad expensive man. So if that's an original, I'd imagine it cost a couple hundred quid minimum. Yeah, it's not like there'll be there'll be lots and lots of original film reels. Though it's not like there's only one of them, um, and it is literally just one little slit of the reel. Um, so it's probably not that expensive, I don't think. But I like it, and it's, it hangs in my bathroom. I quite like it, and <clears throat> I don't think Lisa loves it being in there. But she puts up with it like she does with a lot of things with me, and I love her for it. <laughs> right, you just want to read the uh, short and sweet. Yeah, so this guy's a dick. This was only last month. Yeah, Sydney Walters um, on the 25th of February saw fit to review this film 24 years on from its release. Brackets, spoiler, close brackets. It's just boring. Not necessary to go further. It's a trash movie. Just don't waste your time. 
Capital letters, Jack dies. Nobody found that helpful. <laughs> of course they didn't. Um, like, genuinely, like, genuinely, IMDb should be removing that um, for the spoiler thing. I don't care if you put warning spoilers in it. You can't put no, in th- capital letters, Jack dies. No, the thing is, like, see, on IMDb, there is a, you need to click a button to actually see any of the spoilers. Oh, do you? Right, fair enough. Then. Yeah, so it says, okay. wa- it says warning spoiler, and you need to click a wee down arrow to actually read it. So to it's not like a case appear. of, yeah, to make a text appear. It's not like, you couldn't have missed that. Yeah, so. Okay. Um, the biggest movie site in the world, you'd fucking expect them to um, somehow blank out their spoilers. Right, we're going to just battle through the next three pretty quickly, mate. Um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. We watched this together. We did watch this together. <laughs> we, yeah, we... And we hadn't seen it. Yeah, yeah we caught an idea for a podcast once that... Oh, a terrible fucking idea. <laughs> you, would, you would come round to mine, we would watch a film that neither of us had seen, and then immediately do a podcast about it afterwards. <laughs> no, it was even worse than that, mate. We read the blurb and then tried to guess the story. Oh, and yeah. And then went and watched it. And we then did. came back. Yeah, it yeah. was fucking awful, man. It was like two... It was like two stoners sitting going, yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. It was garbage. I mean, I've done that again. But yeah. Yeah, we um, read the blurb, then we recorded about 20 minutes of us kind of guessing what was going to happen in the film, didn't we? Yeah. Um, oh, <laughs> what, what a shitty idea that was, man. <laughs> oh, that was the good old days when there was no social distancing. You could come round <laughs> and chill out and stuff. Um. Oh, well. But yeah, so I did enjoy this film, though. I liked it. Um. I thought it was, it was quite, it was quite wanky, but I quite, that, that appeals to me sometimes. Um, it was a bit up its own arse again. That kind of appeals to me a little bit as well. Um, but but I enjoyed it. I, I kind of I did like it. I went back and watched it again on my own um, the second time and enjoyed it then as well. Well, did you see? I, I never had that compulsion to watch it again. Yeah, I I, I watched it on my own. With, with, I don't know, like I don't know if I enjoyed it more on my own. Nothing against you, <laughs> but just like to probably concentrate on it and enjoy it. And I I do like it. I'd watch it again. I'd watch it for a third time quite happily. Right, um, know how you were hinting at earlier, like, if you're a decent writer and you, you want to review things, then go for it. Yes. I'm going to let you take this one, but I want you to I want you to point out every spelling mistake that this person's made. Right, okay, Please. no problem. Yeah. Okay. Um, this movie was a journey into the, and they've put, <laughs> they've put darpest... <laughs> darpest the the darpest uh, deepest abyss and spelled abyss a b i s s um so to, to complete the sentence this movie was a journey into the darpest deepest abyss into the human soul the color and they spelled the color the american way c o l o r of Clem's hair throughout the movie seems to carry a deeper meaning, but they wrote Carrie as C A R R I E, and the name to carry. yeah, and to compound the mistake even further, they've capitalised Carrie, <laughs> so yeah. capital C. Um, so the colour of Clem's hair throughout the movie seems to carry a deeper meaning into the chaotic emotions of the human <laughs> being. Uh, emotions is spelled E M O S I O N S. Um, I identified as the orange colour the most. <laughs> Say, and, and that's not proper English that means you identified as orange hair um, I know we, people identify as all sorts of things these days but I don't think MD is identifying as orange hair quite yet um, yeah. I have never in my 20 years of movie seen such a colourful movie in honour of this movie I dyed my dog's fur orange the, cle- the colour the colour, yeah, died. I died. I dyed my dog's fur orange the colour of a, of a Clem's hair a Clem's here. <laughs> My died dog cried. <laughs> oh dear. We, we're making fun of somebody that's not right here, aren't we? This is somebody that's obviously got issues, oh. but fuck me. <laughs> um, wow. Like, honestly, God, this is not the film for you, pal. No, zero out of five people found it helpful. What possesses somebody to watch a film after, after off the back of it? Their immediate compulsion is to, I'm going to go and fucking die the dog. <laughs> get that orange hair, get that orange dog hair dye out. Come here, Shep. Oh, fuck. <laughs> um, I'm right, doing so, that again. Oh, it, absolutely bonkers. Bonkers, man. Oh. Um, uh, the, 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 the darpest. <laughs> 
Hard to kill. I, I decided to throw this one in here because, again, it's um, it's on the website. It's a Steven Seagal film. I don't think you will have ever seen it because I've not. Nah, I've never seen it. Right, okay, so we're not going to get to any detail about it. I just wanted to read the, the review, basically, from 2013. Um, the film's called Hard to Kill. This guy's <clears throat> good at language, hard to watch. I've cut out about 90% of this, right, because I just want to read this one bit. There is no humour in this film, no understanding of how ridiculous it is, unless you count the unintentional humour of I'm going to take you to the bank. The blood bank. <laughs> <laughs> I that's brilliant. That is good. <laughs> that, <laughs> that kind of makes me want to watch this film now, actually. Yeah, fascinating the dialogue. <laughs> the blood bank. It sounds like a really bad, like, you can imagine like, a, like Charlie Nicholas or somebody fighting with somebody. Well, well I'm going to uh, take you to the bank. The blood bank. <laughs> oh, it's oh, so good. That's the only reason I put it in there, man, that one line. I think, like, like you say, that kind of makes me want to watch it. Now, we're going to wrap it up with a, a film that I really enjoyed, Finding Nemo. Come on, surely there's nobody out there that's given this one stars. Well, there is. Okay. What did you think of Finding Nemo? It's one of my, it's actually one of my favourites, along with Monsters, Inc. and Toy Story. Finding Nemo, that's probably my top three Pixar films. Mate, um, yeah, I, I like Finding Nemo. I think it's a it's a lovely film. Um, I put, get put off a little bit about it because Dory is Ellen DeGeneres, and I really don't like Ellen DeGeneres. Um, yeah, that's even that's before she was outed as being a fucking horrible human being, um, oh. I've, I've never really taken to her. But that aside, it's a great film. Um, it's just a this Pixar films are all amazing, Jack, in their own way. They've all got something really good about them. But this uh-huh. is top tier Pixar for me. This is up there with Toy Story. It's brilliant. Really, really good. And even if you don't enjoy children's films and they're not really your bag, everybody should be able to watch a Pixar film and at least appreciate it for what it is. Yeah, that's his Fighty Nemo's in my top, at least my top five Pixar films. But Vinny. <laughs> right, to be fair, I had to go back quite a bit to find this review. This won't be on the site um, because it's um, not in the last decade. I had to go back to 2003 to find this one. Way too intense for young ones. <clears throat> okay. To be fair, like, I think a lot of Disney films, there's, there's a mad stat, and I'm just, again, wrong term memory in this, but it's like, 70% of Disney films somebody dies in the first couple of minutes like first yep. 8 minutes it's pretty much how most of them start yeah yeah so so Finding Nemo starts like that it's, it's really quite sad but uh, Vinny is not happy uh, if your idea of family entertainment is a non-stop series of intense action sequences <laughs> <laughs> oh fucking hell man it's no Terminator uh Almost, <laughs> can <you do> it? <laughs> Almost getting eaten by a shark. <laughs> Almost getting eaten by another fish. <laughs> Almost getting eaten by a jellyfish. Oh, uh, <laughs> and then being eaten by a whale. Then go ahead and sit through this headache of quick cuts, loud sound effects, and screaming characters. You know, you could cut out half of these cliffhanger sequences and give us some characterization. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's talking about characterization in a fucking Pixar <laughs> film um, or some sweet memorable moments. Now that would be a good family film. Uh, this is the most visually striking of all Pixar movies and the most disappointing as a family entertainment film. Um, pass this one up if you have children, uh, if you have younger children, please. 25% of people found that in, like helpful, but like 11 out of 40. <laughs> I just think he, he's off his nut when he's talking about fucking intense action, action sequences and um, a lack of characterisation. Yeah, he's looking for intense, proper <clears throat> characterisation from a cartoon about a fish. 
fish that famously have got a brain span of about five seconds, right? Oh, <laughs> and he's he's yeah. wanting like a proper breakdown of the inner psyche of this poor fish. Um, fuck off, mate. And I don't think jellyfish eat things either. They just sting them, don't they? Um, and wait until he finds out that clownfish are hermaphrodites, basically. Oh, he'll be blown yeah. like that. Oh, I'd imagine he, he like that would have pissed like him that. off. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely passing that one, I would have thought. Um, yeah, Vinny in 2003 was a dick, and he's probably still a dick in 2021. Um, it seems like he's been right, he's like went home that night that he's seen it with his kids and went, I fucking didn't like that, and just went right <laughs> on to IMDb and just uh, typed his anger out and then probably regrets it nearly 20 years later. I wonder, <laughs> if, I wonder if he still gets notifications on that from IMDb, like somebody found it likeful, uh, likeful, helpful. Do you think um do you think he's the only person in the whole world that's ever watched Finding Nemo and at the end of it just like turned around in his chair and went, Fuck me, that was intense. <laughs> those I see Jesus fuck. See those action sequences, man. <laughs> Jesus Christ. The, the, these sharks were like <laughs> smelt blood. I was shit myself. Those <laughs> bastard and jellyfish. <laughs> oh man. Oh, oh, Vinny. Poor poor Vinny. Fucking one star review. <coughs> we got there, mate. Aye, we managed to get through them. Um, we certainly did, yeah. That was good. I enjoyed that. Yeah, it was fun, man. Like, um, again, what does smhmean.com? You can read tons of these maniacs <laughs> typing wacky reviews about. Basically, all, well, all the films did get to number one in the US box office, so there was something. Like there was definitely something about them. People enjoyed them, so for these people to then just get right on the internet. No, in fact, that's not even what I was trying to drill down on. I was trying to drill down on, like, does time change your opinion on films? Basically, and that's why I'm looking at films from the nineties, but only looking at the reviews from the last ten years to see if people have maybe not watched a film in 20 years and then decided like the guy that watched Titanic who was so pissed off last month that he decided to go on to fucking imdb.com and tell everybody that Jack dies do you think time does change before we wrap it up and do you think time does sort of of course it does I think it definitely does a daft question yeah I think it changes your it certainly changes if you if you really judge films on a score base basis then it certainly changes your scoring um, because, like I said earlier, a 10 out of 10 film when you're 8 is very different to a 10 out of 10 film when you're 28, which is probably different from when you're 48 as well, actually. It's not just a child to adult thing, I suppose. Um, but I think you can still appreciate a film for the way it made you feel at the time. And if you remember the feeling it gave you when you watched it, regardless of your age, then that should be how you describe that film to people. Don't just say that, oh, I liked it when I was a kid, but think about how it made you feel and then how it would maybe make them feel at that age as well or their kids feel. Um, that's how I would go about describing it. So although your thoughts and your critique might change, your feelings probably shouldn't. Yeah. So again, that's something that I think quite interesting is people looking at films from 30 years ago and saying, this took me into the darkest, deepest abyss, like sort of shit like that, sort of. I find interesting and that's why I started that site. There is a forum on the site as well, so there will be an option to sign in if you decide to go and look. I don't expect that to really take off, but guys your age, Colin, and let's be honest, most of the people that are listening are round about our age, 90% of them are men. Forums are still a bit of a thing. We'll see how it goes. Yes, you never know. Um, you never know. It's it's an interesting topic. I'm glad you've started doing this. It's, it's good fun looking at these uh, these one star reviews. Um, if talking about one star reviews has, has got you desperate to start reviewing things yourself, <laughs> um, there's there's a way we can make that happen for you. Uh, what you need to do is find yourself an Apple device, either your own or someone else's. Go to the podcast app, type in a wrong term memory and give us a five star review and write some stuff. Um, if you write some good stuff, we'll read it out on the show. Um, just don't write that we're shit because that doesn't help us and we won't read it out. Um, but if you write some good stuff, we'll definitely read that out. So if it's kind of wet your whistle for the old reviewing, then knock yourselves out with that as well, please. Yeah, that's it. 100%. So 
Uh, we will be back with you, not on Thursday because we've been that, but we will be back with you next Monday, guys. Thanks for listening. We'll speak to you then. Bye. <laughs> I forgot about that. Browse only the best pods in the best network. Quite the thing media.com. <laughs>